Beer Fitch Podcast. Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of the Beer Fitch Podcast. Real beer, real breweries, real opinions as always. Maybe listen to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Hit that ding a ling a link to be notified of all the latest episodes. You can show your support by dropping us a five-star rating and show your official support by heading to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast where mark should have some beer that's well bubbled by now and ready to rock and roll in fact it is bottled so it will be well bottled conditioned on his trip to wherever the hell he is sunning himself you can't hide money it's so can't hide money (laughs) i'm joined by my drinking buddy and one drinking buddy this this week um it's broken like flies one's on holiday one's working it's fucking unbelievable you think it's I've not been notified of these holiday requests, by the way. I know. No. Outrageous. Um, w- wages the, will be docked. Wages, well, wages will, be docked. will be docked. Um, As you can hear, the drinking buddy is uh, Mr. Calamir. Evening, Cal. Good evening. Good evening. Um, Tonight we are joined. Um, We're going back a wee bit in terms of brewery. This was one of our, in fact, it was the first brewery we, we ever had on the podcast as a guest. And it's good to have a representative of Fierce back on the podcast. We're FUDs once again, and we've got Rob Mackey on the podcast. How you doing, mate? How you doing, man? I'm all right, yeah. Not too bad. Looking forward to it. It's been, it's been a long time since we had Fierce on the podcast. Um, we have spoken about Fierce many times in different lights, positive mm-hmm. and negative. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Well, I think importantly uh, within the last few weeks, which is which is quite unusual for us to to sort of follow up and kind uh, <laughs> of be organised <laughs> and almost be professional to, almost. to talk about a brewery, um, and then within within a relatively short space of time, actually speak to somebody from that brewery, and that's uh, it's quite good. So yeah, looking forward to this one. Looking forward to it. Um, we'll start off though, as we normally do. We'll go around the table, see what we're drinking to start things off. I'll kick things off because I am off brand. Um, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to get some fierce beers. Um, but I have I got my verdant box from Bruiser. Um, it was a the special box. Pardon, a poor substitute verdant. I know. I mean, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and White Rabbit six point five percent ABV. Uh, it's oh no, it is a in fact. It's a collaboration with White Rabbit. Who are White? Have we had a White Rabbit before? Nope. Rob. Mm, no, you did the same. You did the same face I did. I was like, huh? Never heard of them. I'll need to do some more digging actually. Um, some different hops in here. We've got HBC six three zero, new to me. Nelson Mosaic and Galaxy. So um, we're getting all of our mate Nelson in there in terms of all your New Zealand vibes, your white grapes and stuff like that. Nice dryness in the back in the back of it. Um, a cracking beer to kick things off at six point two five percent. Excuse me. Um, it's a beer fridge podcast session beer, um, and it's fucking delicious. Surprise, surprise! Verdant make another good beer. Ta-da! Somehow they're good at it. That fucking yeast will be that yeast. <laughs> and I don't, I don't actually know what HB. I don't know what the six three zero is. So I'll need to do more digging on that one. I probably won't, but I should do. Seeing as we've got the professionals in the building, um, Callum, what you got? You're on brand, sir. I certainly am. Um, I am drinking uh, DDH Phantasm New England IPA at the moment. Um, so it's a hazy India pale ale, 6.4%, and it's a collaboration Fierce and Heist. And this, uh, I, I picked this up because it's thialized 
and we're, we're kind of trying to try as many yeah. of these beers as we can. Um, and yeah, this one it doesn't disappoint. Um, it's not quite uh, in the same. I mean, it, it's kind of a poor comparison to the to the track one that we had the other week. Um, no. Because that's a, an eight percent double, and you know it was just, you know it's just completely off the it chain. Was, it was thin back as well. You know this is a different this is a different brewery, a different beer altogether. Um, but it's it's definitely a a pretty decent um, interpretation of the style. Um, I think for a New England for me, I I, w- I would have liked it a little bit creamier um, than it is. But that's probably the only negative that I can that I can drum up because this beer's pretty special. Um it's got an amazing aroma. It's just and the 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 thiols that they've used in this one is um derived from Sauve Blanc grapes. Right. Um so um, and it doesn't the can doesn't say what uh, what hops are in it. Um but you're getting that proper Nelson white wine, that kind of acidic vibe. And um, it just it, it cuts through the sweetness, what you know, which can sometimes overpower um, in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not a fan of the sort of sickly sweet side of that style of the beer, this one's definitely for you. Um, the tropical flavors are just an absolute spades mangoes, and and you know it's just I, it's really super. It really is, and I and it drinks pretty light for a six point four percent. It's uh, it's really comfortably sessionable. This one dangerously so, um, but yeah, this one's pretty good. I'm really enjoying it. What's your thoughts, Rob, on the on the style craze? Um, Fad? I didn't really know what to think too much until until we put that uh, that specific beer out, and mm-hmm. we're we're all absolutely delighted with it. Um, it, it's it's got such. I mean, it's, it's just exactly what you said. It's got really just juicy, fresh, kind of fruity uh, aromas. Um. The so I think if I remember rightly the the hops in there I think it's Simcoe Citra possibly Mosaic so the the blend is a, a blend of Phantasm which is derived as you said from from grape skins but then it's a, a cryo hop Phantasm blend from Yakima Chief right um, right okay and we um, we've got another one coming out using the same uh, hop blend in about a week or two maybe a couple of weeks uh, which is actually an alcohol free one um, similar style oh, wow. but with the same hop character so. That'll be interesting to try that. Yeah, for that'd sure. Be, yeah, that'd be really cool to try. Um, yourself, Rob, what are you drinking, mate? I'm on. Um, I thought I'd go back. I went and had a dig at the back of the fridge and found the the Alpha Delta collab we did uh, a few months back, Cherry Cola Sour. Nice. Uh, obviously, it was sad news recently. Alpha Delta have sharp shot, which is Got grim. It. It's yeah, um, it's pretty devastating. Landscape. Um, so yeah, I figured I'd crack this one open. Um, I have been a long time um hater of cherry flavoring drinks. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, I ran a small campaign at a job a few years ago, um, telling everyone not to drink cherry beer, and this beer has absolutely changed my mind. So <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting. Like cherry is one of those flavors that, like, if if you if you think of the, a flavor of cherry in your mind, it's like. It's almost an artificial flavor, yeah. You know, like if you think of like a cherry cola or a cherry Haribo sweeties or, or something like that, and then you go and eat cherries. You know, they don't take, don't really taste anything like each other. So it's yeah. you kind of kind of got to get away from that. You know, it's is it is it an authentic? You know, does it taste like cherry cola? And that's that's you know I love cherry cola, so yeah, I'm all for cherry beers. Like, <laughs> mm, I'll pass. Think thinking of bringing this one back um, next year or so. 
it went really yeah it sold really well when we when we launched it and it pretty much tastes exactly like cherry cola so maybe some minor tweaks and then see see how it goes next year interesting stuff um like i said got rob from fierce um joining us this evening on the podcast um rob you are head of um creative at fierce how have you how have you found it so far kind of kicking off with fierce and kind of jumping in was it what you expected fierce to be pretty much um i've 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 known dave a long time um yeah. i used to work at brewdog so i was up in aberdeen um, so when Fierce kind of um, began life and uh, the the guys were around at the you know the flagship bar, uh, met them back then, met them at the AGMs and stuff. So I've all, I've stayed stayed in touch with Dave for a long time. But I, th- I thought I kind of a, an idea of what to expect, and it's it's like every every brewery, absolutely insane. There's always loads going on. Um, it's hard to keep on top of it, but you wouldn't really have it any other way. You know, if it's quiet, you're doing something wrong. So yeah, it's been great. Um, I kind of I joined and they were in the middle of a kind of a, a rebrand and um, yeah. we've kind of um, built on that. So you know it's it's gone just over six months and I've been pretty much working flat out on what what our kind of core range is going to look like for next year. But then also working um, on all the beers that you guys were talking about in the last couple of podcasts. So you know, designing labels, writing copy, coloring in basically. We've been talking about for just for the last like three or four weeks. Fucking hell. Yeah, please continue. Christ, <laughs> the advertising. Text <laughs> in the post. Um, I mean, like I said, you've listened to the last couple of podcasts. Um, you'll know, and we said it on both those episodes, how our kind of relationship with Fierce has been up and down. Like, we were what we like to call FUDs, Fierce Universal Devotee Society members, um, FUDs for short. And and this is five years ago. We're massively loving the beers, cracking killer, late shift, um, moose moose. Not so much myself, but the other guys. I'm not a dark beer guy, but it just felt from five years to kind of there was like a dip. It dipped for probably more so COVID and just people trying to make sure they keep they keep the doors open. Mm. And it's felt like from our point of view, the last at least eight, maybe ten months, and especially the last couple of a month or two, it feels like, and I don't know if I jump in, Cal, but it feels mm-hmm. like things are going in, an, in the, a positive direction. Aye. I mean, I think it just, it, it was one of those that, I think having a dip is kind of a bit, maybe a bit harsh, but it, it's yeah. more kind of like a plateau um, for, for me, and, and that kind of coincided with our sort of tastes and expectations going up like that, and you know, it kind of, and we were, there was a period there where the only fierce beer that I was kind of getting exposed to were the, the ones that were kind of available in Aldi and, and things like that, and they, they kind of just missed the mark a little bit, um, but as Gav was saying, the 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 stuff that we've been seeing on social media and stuff lately, um, and as 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 led us to or me in particular has led us to to buying again and and you know if this beer that i'm having tonight said to go buy then everything's um hunky-dory now i know obviously for yourself rob you've you're only fucking in the door like eight or nine months <laughs> <laughs> so you could say uh, you could turn up and go it's fucking me i did it <laughs> but from yourself looking at looking from the outside beforehand was that the kind of maybe are we wrong with what we were thinking, or is that or is it, was it more of a case like I said, just making sure with COVID and all the nonsense with that and 
and there's a new brewery in there as well. You know, there's, yeah. you know, there's a, a change of uh, location. Change of location. And, and you know that's that has to have been a massive, um, a massive step. As much and, as it was only a, a short distance, but you went from a small unit to an absolute fucking humongous unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like from the outside, initially, is have you? Has that been the feeling from the inside of fears, or are we? Are, is it just more because of we? We've just got such high expectations of you guys because we have been lovers of fears for a long time. We're just yeah. like, eh. it's a tough one. I mean, there's so. I mean, first thing is, um, there's definitely always been a, like a, a desire to um, to keep improving on on the kind of, in particular, on kind of the core beers and the. Yeah. You know, uh, I think. I don't think it's unreasonable these days to call a beer like a supermarket beer, you know, kind of accessible and, you know, whether you want to call it entry level or yeah. gateway or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Those kind of like easy drinking styles, IPAs and pails. Um, and obviously, as you know, if, you, if you've been fans of Fierce since the start, then um, when Fierce first uh, began, a lot of the beers were not in, in those kind of vein. You know, it wasn't pale and hoppy. It wasn't lager. Because mm-hmm. um, because we were trying to do something different, you you know you really kind of need to have something different to grab attention. So a lot of the a lot of the styles, you know, uh, smoked chili porters, um, big chocolate and imper- yeah. uh, chocolate imperial stouts, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's exciting beer, and it's um, you know it's and obviously uh, most craft breweries even at that point would have maybe one or two of those in the range, but that was pretty much you know Pierce's kind of main main focus. Um, the the growth I think that that Fears has had has been absolutely huge. So you know, in the early days, all of the all of the beers that were pouring at like Brewdog AGMs and then mm-hmm. the um, whether it was like Six Degrees North or Cask or you know the kind of local Aberdeen craft venues, most of those beers were coming from a homebrew set. You know, scale. Um, yeah. Even for the first yeah. few years, mm-hmm. then there was that kind of ramp up to the first commercial premises, and then again after that, pretty quickly onto the second one. So this has all been kind of against. You know, first off, that background and background, excuse me, <laughs> that background of of huge growth. On top of that, you've got this kind of perfect storm that uh, that craft beer seems to find itself in at the moment between COVID, cost of living, and yeah. um, you know, so many things going on all at once. And it, you know, it can be a a, a struggle. I think it's a struggle for everyone to try and know where to focus because. Obviously, if yeah. you, you go all in on big, heavy-hitting imperial stouts, um, Baltic porters, you know, um, big, yep. chunky, it keeps it keeps but... craft beer wankers like us happy, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily keep the lights switched on. Exactly, it's, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's finding that balance between um, between you know brewing the, the the core beers that appeal to the masses and also you know satisfying the the, the weirdos like us. <laughs> that's it i mean I, I count myself very much uh in with the weird well <laughs> so these days but definitely definitely have been and will be a weirdo but um, then, like but, yeah, like you were saying sorry Robert, like you were no, no, you saying before like with, with alpha delta for example like that's the stuff that they they did really well like all the weird funky stuff and the, the imperial stuff and obviously as we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago they did a lot of export and they focused a lot of the energy on that instead of potentially like fierce of have been doing, like you say with that plateau cow, is focusing on just doing the simple things properly and and getting things right in terms of supermarket beers and maybe not focusing on the beer wanks and and things are like you said are looking up and certainly going in the right direction in our view anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important. What I think 
this might not be true of all breweries, but certainly um, I think a lot of the, the successful ones, the ones that are remaining kind of, you know, that have kept the lights on is you have to have a, a range of beers that are accessible to people who are mm -hmm. new into craft beer. And, you know, maybe they've only ever drank lager or, you know, um, cask bitter or pale ale or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to have those beers that people can come in and, and learn a little bit more and fill the fridge or fill the garage or whatever. Um, yeah. And you want to have the really high end stuff as well. You want to have those, but it's about making sure you've got other points along the way as well, because you, you want someone to, when someone discovers your beer, you, you want them to stick with you. You know, obviously yeah. it makes sense that people are going to go out and explore. There's, there's still, despite a lot of the closures and there's still loads and loads and loads and loads of beer styles, not, not just from UK breweries, you know, you can get, beer from all over the world so yeah. so easily now but um you know you accept that people are going to try different beers but to try and to try and build a brewery that people want to keep coming back to and for it to be their favorite beer and you know for them to stick with you you've got to have that you've got to you know our our most successful beer in the last year has been cerveza and i know like yeah fair enough it's not for everyone but when we take it to to craft beer festivals cerveza is the beer that the brewers and the staff want to drink yeah. you know it's it's, it's yeah. easy it's easy drinking it's super zesty it's light it's of course mm -hmm. it's not for everyone but you know having that kind of really easy drinking accessible stuff balanced with the you know the very big moose uh, releases at the other end and then trying to hit those other points in the middle i think that's that's kind of key to i think that's, that's maybe why how we're turning it around is that we're, we're getting a little bit more aware of that and that's yeah. the pieces are kind of falling into place you know the funny yeah. thing for me is like um I'm obviously I'm based in the south coast of England, so I don't have a massive exposure or to, or get a chance to get fierce much down here. The odd bottle shop will pick it up here and here and there, but every time I go back home and I go back up to Scotland, and it's daft because I know the guys probably won't pick it up as much as I want. Oh, I want to, but it's late shift. Mm. Every, I'm, I'm every time I'm up in Scotland, I'll buy like six or ten cans of late shift because I genuinely think it's such an underrated Nipah in the supermarkets and that's purely because I, I can't get it every day um, and I'm I, I'm probably used to one of the I can't think of one off the top of my head that I, I've got access to that they guys don't but yeah it's one of those things potentially that because you have easier access to it like the other guys do that late shift and other things like that just go under the radar a little bit more whereas for me i'm like fuck i'm i'm getting a crate of that taking that home with me <laughs> fucking give me that but in fairness i won't lie it'll be a crate of that and a crate of tenants just saying if only we knew if only we knew somebody in, with influence at fierce that we could uh, try and get to get some more coverage down south no no, no. whereabouts are you i'm near brighton and okay. i know i know of two bottle shops that that have um cans of fierce um in their bottle shop. I just yeah. I can't be bothered going to every bottle shop to be fair. <laughs> no. I've, I've picked I've picked the ones that I like and I've picked the ones that I know do the things that I like. Bottle and jug and um Beerarama. There was a third one but he shut down which is a bit shit. Um he did actually he, he incidentally did get fierce but he's closed now. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a coloration, but anyway, just a just a coincidence. <laughs> just a coincidence. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, he was actually from Aberdeen and he worked for Brewdog as well, fun enough. Um, and that's why he used to get fierce in because because yeah, of that yeah. connection of that to Aberdeen. So he always picked up some fierce stuff, but he's buggered yeah. off. He's doing some fucking gardening shit now. 
instead of supplying <laughs> supplying the fierce beers, which is just a nonsense to a man. <laughs> Fucking get it sorted. But the the it's it has changed and like the the first one that got me really excited was a uh, in the summer in August was the collaboration with Overtone. Now Overtone are my go to. They're my, one of my favorite breweries. Um. Love them to death. I'll buy any of their stuff. In fact, it's a lie. I won't buy their stouts because they should just not touch stouts. Just stop it. <laughs> if you're going to do a stout, do a collab. Do it with some, do it with Tartarus or I don't know, something like that. Um, and it was fancy with G. Um, I had it just before the London Craft Beer Festival. Um, you got a fierce were there, bumped into Dave and, and Louise at, at the festival and said that was phenomenal. That was literally that was ridiculous. I was apprehensive about it for this the sake of I like both beers individually. Yeah, yeah. And I thought bringing the two together, I was like, oh no, this could be this could be either really good or shit. And I was glad to to report that it was actually really fucking good, and I actually want more of it. Um, <laughs> and you've done more of these collaborations over that. You've done Stuart, um, you've done a couple other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head, but going back to doing those things and those exciting beers that get craft beer wanks like us excited yeah. it's, it's good to see it's exciting things it's as you can if, if you listen to this you can probably tell that we're generally quite excited about how things are going and obviously you've got the vbm stuff which i'm sure callum will get to in a minute was that was that a, a an area of focus of going right okay let's do a wee bit more collabs and stuff and get our knee and do more collaborative things within the industry rather than just going right we're just going to put out late shift every every week or Sylvester yeah, or whatever no 100 percent, yeah that's that's exactly you know the plan is to get the name out there more because um we, we're not as well known um uh, outside of scotland and you know yeah. i don't think i don't think i'm uh wrong to point that out because you know it's very easy to get kind of uh uh, pigeon holders you know you know it's a scottish scottish craft beer you know everybody knows the main scottish craft beer but um you know there's there's quite a lot of it but then obviously there's a there's a lot more <laughs> there's, there's a, that there's other more, thing <laughs> there's a, yeah. um there, there's many more uh breweries in england there's not there's not as many in scotland so yeah. it can be easy to get kind of um kind of boxed in there so um that's exactly what we're trying to do we're, we're um we've managed to pack in quite a lot of collabs uh this year already next year the target is one a month um wow. so uh bar, bar in january which is always um uh, a hard time for, yeah. for, for a month the beer industry um well not always like alcohol free breweries do really well and fair play to them um it'd be better if they did more, you know, if, it would be great if they got more success throughout the rest of the year and it would be great if we had more success in January. So, yeah. um, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be um, boycotting dry January and um, I'm going to be beer a day in January. I think I'm going to do just to try and keep the craft beer industry afloat single-handedly. Single-handedly, yeah. It's it. Atlas with the, the beer industry on your back. What is it they call it? They call it tri, tri, tri January. Tri January. Tri January. Tri January. Word in the world. Tri January. Fucking try and wrap your mouth in tri January. Christ, but no, that's yeah. exciting to like a focus on. Yeah, so yeah, collaborations. Definitely, yeah. So yeah, one, uh, one collab a month, and currently uh, aiming for two other releases on top of that. Uh, so oh. targeting minimum three new beers every month next year. Great, so you slow your we'll probably fit some more. Yeah, um, 
plenty, plenty of space. So if anyone's listening, they fancy a collab, give us a shout. We've got a few, a few lined up already. I won't say who any of them are because it's not me that uh, arranges yeah. them. So I don't want to um, fuck things up for anyone. Yeah, um, but yeah um, <laughs> a few, a few exact ones already, already penciled in. So it's going to be good. Well, that's cool. good. Um, are you on the VBM? Oh no, you're on the, that no, looks no. like eighty shilling. Ninety. No, I was close. Oh, the reserve. I was, I was ten. I was ten away. Yeah, so I've uh, as we as we mentioned ad nauseum the last couple of weeks we've uh, put some um, orders in for VBM. Um, Scott and uh, Scott and myself got very excited when we seen that it was it was three different um, barrel aged versions of very big moose. So we've got the rye, um, the bourbon, and the um, rum. Um, I'm I'm keeping those for the festive period to enjoy with my brother and my dad. So we're going to share them um, and have sort of a third day of car each of each of them. Um, but I've saved this one for tonight. Um, and wow, this one is uh, a bourbon barrel aged as well. This is the 2023 Reserve 90 Shilling Scotch Ale. Um, so, I mean, listeners to the podcast will know I'm all for the the sort of traditional Scottish ale styles. Um, I think one of my favourite fierce beers, certainly in the last sort of twelve months, has been um, the export that I had on keg at um, at the Big Swally um, in uh, Dunfermline. Um, but this one is fucking phenomenal. It really is. It's eight point four percent. So it's not, you know, sometimes I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm, not, I'm loath to criticise like super super strong beers, given that I've got three twelve and a half percent. Mooses in the fridge, um, but sometimes you know, barrel aging and pushing it up to ten plus percent can sometimes make things a bit over alcoholic, and it, it it's it's easier to pull off when you've got like a chocolate stout or or whatever to play with, but it, it risks overwhelming what can sometimes be quite a subtle flavour, like a, a traditional Scottish ale. But the malt still is still there. You can still taste it. You can still um, get a handle on what this original style is, but it's just got tons and tons of vanilla and dried fruit and caramel sweetness, and it's like thick and it's like motor oil. This stuff and eight point four percent. It's you know it's absolutely delicious, absolutely delicious. This one, yep. That massive, sounds... massive thumbs up for this one. Yeah, that sounds rather good. We've been we were sitting on that one for a while. It spent a little bit longer in, in barrel than than um, we had intended, but I certainly don't think it did any harm. Um, I think it's uh, it's quite special. No, so is that and is that just a case of um, scheduling, or is that just you know we're not happy with it quite yet, and uh, you know we're just going to hang on to it until we think it's good enough to put in can and sell. In in this instance, it was it was mainly down to scheduling. Um, the one of the kind of the upshots of having moved into a a different facility is just trying to basically work out what needs to go into tank and out of tank when mm-hmm. um, it's a big, big job. And I'm glad it's got nothing to do with me because mm-hmm. I, I used to be um, tangentially involved um, up the road at the other brewery um, in Aberdeenshire. And yeah, I, I don't envy anyone that, that has to manage that process. So sometimes, you know, something I'll have to kind of take, take the hit. And in this instance, it was the reserve, but to be honest, Time, yeah, extra time in barrel for that one. I think it was in for um, a year, a year and a half, maybe in the end. Wow! Um, mm-hmm. And it's um, yeah, I think depending on the type of barrel, you know, some some will take six months to a year, some will take a year to a year and a half. You know, I, I remember 
I think um, with single malt, sometimes you would be looking at two years or more. Um, but yeah. that with bourbon, it, it picks up flavor really quickly, and it it doesn't tend to it doesn't tend to start getting kind of rough for a, a couple of years. So yeah, we're definitely um, definitely within that, and it's yeah, it's definitely worked really well. Yeah, but you can, but as I say, you know, the 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 barrel aging, the barrel aged flavors, the the, the bourbon flavor doesn't mm. completely overpower the yeah. the base beer that's already there, and you know, it just it just goes to show that that how how good a beer that that original ninety shilling, um, Scotch ale must have been when it went into the barrel, because you know, there's been so many brewers that we've spoken to, you know, that 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 are, you know. If you get shit and put it into a barrel, it's still going to be shit when it comes out. You know, you need yeah. you need to have a solid, decent beer going in um, for it to for it to to stand up at the other side. So yeah, absolutely sounds good. Um, what was the other thing I was going to make? Oh, that's what it was um, you mentioned before about like kind of uh, trying to avoid getting pigeonholed and brews getting pigeonholed. I just want to pick up on that. Um, you've been in the industry a while. Our are breweries or do breweries get concerned about being pigeonholed in terms of just being a supermarket brewery? So the reason I'm asking, mm. um, Callum, last week, um, oh, who was it? You had, what was the beer you had again from um, Home Bargains? Oh yeah, it, it's a uh, Glen Canick, um, but they're they are uh, an arm of Glen Affric. So Glen Affric, oh, okay, yeah. Glen Africa of of um, I've basically branched off and are are um, brewing beers exclusively for home bargains um, back up in Scotland. So obviously they they started in Scotland and they're, they're now down, down in Merseyside and they've uh, they've they've created this offshoot and their their aim is to brew, brew sort of affordable but quality craft beers and they're brewing them exclusively for um, for home bargains. And I picked up a couple. I've not had the the pumpkin spice stout yet, but I had mm. the American. The American Red Ale, it was all right, you know. It was for for one forty nine for a four forty mil can. As as uh, you know, you've got to really got to set your expectations at a particular level. You know, you're not going to expect the world to be set on fire by this beer, but it was okay. Yeah. But do you find do you because we had the the conversation we had with Stuart maybe a month, maybe a month and a half ago now, where an obvious an an honest conversation with Stuart Brown, incidentally, um. And saying that to some extent with Stuart, we felt like they had been pigeonholed in that more so being focused on supermarket beers in that 179 range where you're maybe not getting the best. It's just a bit eh. Whereas the Project 7 stuff is fucking, is the latest stuff has been really, really good. Are breweries aware of that? And do they try to avoid being pigeonholed as for well, being pigeonholed as a supermarket brewery for those reasons. I think it's um, it's probably because because I mean we were having a, a brief discussion. We had a brief discussion over uh, Instagram message going back and forward, and it was just people just being honest. Like, like we're such a collaborative kind of industry, but for whatever reason, if you say, "Oh, I see you as this." I don't like that beer, or and it and it's it's not what the brewery or whatever wants to hear. It, they get everyone gets their fucking tails in the ruffle and goes, "Oh, you can't say that, but that will actually." Folk need to be fucking honest, and the only way you're going to progress and get any better is if you get actual feedback. 
Yeah, it's um, it's it's such a weird one because if you go back, if you go back a few years, you know that there was a, rightly or wrongly, there was definitely a kind of uh, stigma about uh, supermarket craft. Let's just say supermarket yeah. craft because I think that's the kind of terminology that I would say most folk yeah. in the industry would use. Definitely, um, definitely was more of a not a taboo, but I think it was less accepted. Um, the you know the general consensus being that craft beer was the antithesis of industrially produced, um, cheaply available, um, yeah. consistent, um, but not necessarily particularly intense kind of flavored beer. Um, there's a lot of things about craft beer that have have been you know the the kind of the the whether you want to call it principles or an ethos or the kind of guiding not guiding forces but the you know the the things that that people positioned their beer as as being special for these reasons you know yeah the early stages of craft in the uk a lot of those things have fallen by the wayside and a lot of that's down to necessity some of it's down to choice and whether you know that's personal choice or whether that's led by kind of business goals i think um i think it it would be wrong to I know it's a bit of a loaded question, by the way. Yeah, you no, know, it's a tricky one because it really, it's like, you know, it, does someone want to be pigeonholed? Well, it depends whether you consider that a bad thing or not because there's definitely yeah. some breweries that, that can produce consistently tasty 45 to 5% pails. And like, I'm, I'm not actually thinking of anyone, but you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way the market works is there, there are some breweries that are going to naturally fill that slot and they might they might find that, you know, that they're really good at doing those and that, that it works for them that they're consistently selling those beers and, and you know ultimately a lot of this comes down to if you you know if you're not making and selling beer you're not going to be a brewery for you know a brewery for very long yeah. but um and you know we've kind of touched on it earlier that, that having that kind of you know whether it's the, the supermarket range that that um pays the bills and keeps the lights on which then you know gives you the the solid foundation that allows you to then experiment yeah into more and more kind of niche beers i think some breweries will have probably pulled back on the niche stuff because they found that people weren't buying it from them maybe because they were getting that reputation as being yeah supermarket. i think I, I ultimately really if you're producing beer that you're happy with and it's paying the bills i you know i i would say yeah. you probably start to get a bit of a, a thick skin around you know whether if, if people are you know um derogatory about it then you get a thick skin if people accept it then you don't need to but it's definitely, um, definitely the biggest thing is the change in attitudes to it over the last over the last few years, and that's been driven obviously by the, um, the increased availability of certain. Um, I think I, I, the phrase I've seen a couple of times over the last couple of years has been kind of mainstream craft or breakthrough yeah. craft, kind of straddling <laughs> that. I know it's, it sounds like such an oxymoron, like how can it be mainstream and craft, but. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it, you know, what even is craft to a lot of people these days? It means exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, ultimately um, it really boils down to, as I say, if, you know, if you're making beer that you're happy with and um, it's keeping the lights on and you're, you know, you're able to, you know, some people don't even want to grow, but we, we're keen. Yeah. To, we like to grow. We want to, we want to um, create more jobs in um, Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire. And we want to open more bars. How soon that might happen. We don't know. It really depends on a lot of different, all the different factors um but um yeah it's it's a kind of it's a very tough market at the moment and i think probably more so now i think i think within the industry people would be less likely to kind of to use that as a in a kind of um uh, what's the word? i mean the thing is for us yeah 
like the thing for us, like we know we don't hate we don't hate craft beer being in supermarkets at all. It's not that whatsoever. Mm. Um like in fact, in all honesty, sometimes some weeks for me it's a fucking lifesaver because uh, the, the the bank says, "Oh, you can't fucking spend twenty quid in three cans of beer, and Gavin." That, and that's the case. And that's the case for majority. Yeah, you know, um, it's just the, the I mean, we, we often the, we're pretty self-deprecating and we describe ourselves as as craft beer wanks, and it's just it, it, sometimes we find it frustrating when there's breweries that are. We know are capable of brewing amazing, but 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 the caveat I've decided, you know, a long time ago. The first the first thing you need to think about is who is this beer for? You know, that's exactly it. who is this beer for? And that's what you know, and that's what Scott uh, that's uh, absent tonight is is always a big advocate of as well. It's yeah, if if you're judging this beer at the same, you know, if if you pick up a can of, you know. Anything. I'm trying to think here. You know, like the the the, 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 the juicy the juicy pail that that fierce put into Lidl or Aldi yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. If, if, you, if you try and judge that along the same lines as um, a, a VBM or this Phantasm Nipper, it's just you're on a hiding to nothing because it's comparing apples to yeah. oranges. Um, who is this beer for? That you know, and what, what we need to accept is that, that a lot of the supermarket beers just aren't for the 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 proper geeky craft beer wanks it's it's for the entry level it's for the people who want something that's a bit different to the the sort of macro stuff and that's that's a bit tastier and and it's an entry into craft beer and that's totally yeah. fine that's it i think um craft beers had to do a lot of growing up over the last few years and yeah and and learn a lot of this the, you know we didn't know what we didn't know until it came along and we had to learn it um you know there's a reason that that bigger breweries do things a certain way, and actually, one of one of the, I think it will never never kind of stop entertain me to watch the amount of backpedaling that's been done, um, not by everyone, but by a lot of a lot of bigger uh, craft breweries over the last few years in terms of how lager is the greatest style, pale lager is the best, um, you know how <laughs> how many um, how many promises of of being kind of broken, or how many principles yep. have been kind of managed upon, and and it's and it's just because as as you grow and as as you want to break into new markets, you realise that there's a way that you know there's a reason things have been done a certain way. I think I think what you probably find is that I think this is certainly true of us. So I you know I have to assume it's true of other kind of um, smaller to mid sized craft breweries is that you know when you go into say for argument's sake say it's a, a, a supermarket pale ale or, or you know um something like that you'll you'll go in and you'll have that conversation with with a buyer and they might be looking for a specific product at a specific price point yeah and it's then down to the brewery to try and make the best possible beer that that you can with the ingredients and the technology and the techniques and the knowledge that you have um available to you you know to try and make the best possible beer you can at that price to meet what they're looking for but also to Mm -hmm. to be able to you know to to hold your head up and and you know look at your colleagues in the eye and say we did the best possible thing we could at that price so if we're happy with it and you know it tastes good then we've done a good job and that's you know met the needs of the buyer and all that kind of stuff and i think that's that you know there's two things there one is that craft breweries have had to do that growing up and start having sensible grown-up conversations and acting like grown-up businesses that want to yep. succeed as opposed yep. to we do this for fun on the side or um or whatever. Exactly. And that, and that's 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 definitely how 
supermarkets have been approached by craft breweries in the past mm. is that that yeah we'll, we'll put this beer in and and you know yeah the, the supermarkets want it for x but we'll we'll just brew what we want and you know we'll make a loss and but don't but we'll, we'll be fine because it'll drive all you know all these people will come to our brewery and buy our beer um, at the price that we want, but it doesn't really work like that, you know. <laughs> as good as a as good as a beer is, the the, the chances are the major, the vast majority of people aren't going to jump online and fill their basket and buy, you know, direct from the brewery. It just, yeah. it just doesn't work like that. So no, if you're if you're brewing beer for a supermarket, you you know, you've got to got to play the game. That's it. You but, certainly uh, do. Yeah. Um, to shine a light on a, a, a something more slightly more positive, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so it sounds grim, doesn't it? Does, doesn't it? <laughs> It's my own fault for asking the fucking question in the first place. But like I said, it, I think it's the one thing for us in the podcast. We're all about talking real shit, real opinions, real beer, etc. with real breweries um, and getting straight to the, the nitty gritty of things and get cut through the bullshit. Um, the one thing for you guys that's been really positive and actually really funny and fun and, and probably fun for you guys to make is um, social media for you guys has been awesome for the last year, if not year and a half or so. And you can see we we spoke about it very briefly before we were recording, but you can now see other breweries picking up as well and trying to copy you guys and what you have been. Obviously, you've probably copied it off somebody else, and I've just not seen it. But for me, it seems like you guys are the first ones to kind of put out just funny little skits on Instagram and stuff to be announcing beers and just having a bit of fun with it, and it just it like i said it brings more fun to the whole the whole aspect of the brewery and it's it's something that gets people going i'll click on that and it's good to see yeah um um still cringe because i'm going to call him out but uh Stu uh, charlton's our um uh digital and sales uh, uh digital marketing and sales um guy and he he's the star writer uh cameraman editor direct <laughs> all that stuff Stu's basically the the public face of the brewery now um and he does a fantastic job um with the with the videos yeah the i mean uh, you know his videos are one thing and, and obviously as you say they are fantastic but um something that's been an absolute fucking delight for me just in the last in the last six months has been that you know someone that like gets to color in and write silly nonsense on beer cans for a living which is just ridiculous in itself but for someone like that you know for me when i put those labels out and they you know they get approved they go to print they go on a can to then see them um kind of shot and edited in in the beautiful way that stu's been doing and it's like the the quality of our photography for me like it's been such a a huge factor in in the success of, of of some of our recent beers and it just puts us the, the way you know that way that everyone everyone kind of has that a little bit or a lot of the, that imposter syndrome thing, and you'll you'll look at other people putting stuff out there, and you think, oh, I wish we could do that. That looks yep. so much better than ours. And, mm-hmm. and I think that probably drives a lot of people more than they'd care to admit, and not just in beer, you know. And in, in, <laughs> yep. yeah, everyone's going. How you doing? Everyone does it, but um, but. To see, you know, the quality, as uh, yeah, just the, the photography that Stu's been putting out makes me feel like we're not, you know, that's one of those kind of missing pieces where the, yep. the standard's always been good, but but it's just those little things that you do, you, you know, you level up and you feel like, all right, we're a grown up craft brewery now, you know, we're, you know, we want to stand up next to the likes of, you know, Siren and. Mm-hmm. It just helps. It just helps with that accessibility, you know, to have that yes. to have that slick, you know, professional looking, social media presence. It just. Yeah. 
you know, it, it elevates you and it gives you access to a different audience, um, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, and the, and you know, in the in the funny video, as you say, you know, that's, sorry, that's what you're actually talking about, is that you know the the video content is fun and engaging, and and it's good to have that kind of it's good to have that in the mix. So the photography is what maybe catches someone eye, someone's yeah. eyes, you know, you're scrolling past on Instagram, but then like with the beers, you want to have that kind of a range of, of stuff there of content and, and kind of, um, uh, yeah, stuff. Um, <laughs> no, but I agree with like the, the pictures are sl- I'm just a proper fucking snob when it comes to beer pictures. Um, <laughs> I'm such a dick. I'll 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 spend like ten minutes trying to take a picture of one beer before I even drink it, and like Mark is he's buggered off and he's off on his holidays. He will send a he will send a, a picture of his beer on the on the group chat, and it won't even be fucking he, in focus. Aye, it won't even be in focus <laughs> on the fucking beer itself. It'll be looking at a fucking mirror or whatever, some other bullshit, and I'm like, fucking hell, Mark. <laughs> And I'm such an absolute douche with photography and getting beer pictures. So, yeah, in terms of photography stuff, it's slick as fuck. The videos are funny as the one you released about a couple hours ago, um, mentioning the twelve beers of Christmas and um, some the new merch as well is fucking hilarious. The end bit, (laughs) he's like, "Merry Christmas," I suppose. He's like, "It's fucking November." But that's just saying what we're all thinking, you know. I was in I was in Tesco last night and and, and they're playing fucking Shaking Stevens and it's like it's fucking 20th of November. Go and fuck off. You know, there's someone who's who's had birthdays in November and you know it's it's depressing. you know, as soon as they get Halloween out of the way, you know, it's not even been my birthday yet and we're we're already, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. Ugh. This is the earliest I've had my tree up. Your tree's up. It's up already. Oh, yeah, get off this so, in fact, I will rephrase that. It's not really a tree, in that it's kind of on the wall. Like, oh, no, because we need to reevaluate our friendship. I couldn't be bothered with a tree, and I've not got any time for a tree. It just takes up too much space. Can't bother with it. We got a real tree last year. Which within five minutes got moved from the living room into the kitchen because for whatever reason, don't know why, the wife didn't think that there'd be beasties and creepy crawlers in it. I thought it's been outside. Hello, it's a real fucking tree. Or we can't have that in the living room. Look at the beasties on it. I'm like, well, it was fucking massive. Oh, it needs to go in the kitchen now. So I had to go in the kitchen diner. So I went from a real tree, which thank fuck I can't borrow it's a waste of time, to having this like fucking nonsense in the wall, which I had to build the day. Because I've not got time to do it another time. And I can't bother with it. So, I technically, my tree's up, but it's not really a tree. It's kind of a collection of tinsel attached to the wall. As you say, it's got like <laughs> half a dozen bubbles just stapled to the wall, because fair enough. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Which I can also, I can hide. Out the, I've got, incidentally, there's two doors that can cover it. So, currently it's covered. So, when it gets close to Christmas, I go, ta-da! <laughs> It's Christmas, everybody. There you go. But no, um, I agree. Like the pictures are wicked. The videos are awesome. Great fun to see, and it's a great laugh as well. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Um, you got a new beer, Rob, 
Oh, you're about you're just about hmm. to pour one. Um, just I'll let, I'm just washing the glass out with with some beer. I'll let um, you do that. I'm going to mention the beer that I've just. Uh, I'm nearly finished it to be honest. Um, full enough. It's another verdant beer. I'm on my monthly bruiser box. They get they get mentioned just as much as fierce do in this podcast. To be fair, <laughs> uh, under the same sky, uh, double IPA, eight point four percent. Um, this has got Citra Mosaic and Strata was added on the hop side and the hot side, excuse me, and then Citra Mosaic and Strata on the cold side. I like that they do the hot and cold side. It means fuck it on me because I just I don't like brewing. I just like sampling. But if someone's a a home brewer, it's interesting to see. So a triple hopped um beer, it's the strata for me is the bit that comes through in this really strongly. Really liking that. The Citra Mosaic just give you a really good base. And um, as you expect, that can, those kind of citrus notes coming through, um, but the strata just comes through and and, and absolute spades, which is lovely. And again, surprise, surprise, we did not make a fucking good beer. Ta-da. The one I'm looking for, I've got their collaboration beer that they did with Flock for um, Bruiser's birthday, which I might open tonight. I will see if I do open that. I will take a very good picture. Which will take me half an hour, and then the beer will get cold, and it'll be pointless drinking it. Um, Rob, what you got, mate? What's that? The beer will get warm, not cold. Oh, I said cold, didn't I? Right. That'd have been cold good, beer's good. Cold beer's cold good. good. Cold beer's very good. good. Very, very good. Um, Rob, what you got, mate? Yeah, um, I am on a Caribbean chocolate cupcake from Siren. Um, oh, is this the new old. ones? I got the yeah, I got the set. Um, and this is the first yeah, this is the first one I've opened. So the I mean the Caribbean chocolate cake series is um out every year. Yeah. It's their annual kind of stout release. Um with uh, you know, each one's got cacao and compressed wood and then some variation, whatever that might be. This one's kind of a session strength one. I think it's about four and a half, four point four point where the fuck's the ABD? Five point four <laughs> session. Anything less than six is session. Yep. Yeah. Um you can come on more often. <laughs> <laughs> can find my computer and, uh, the other thing to mention by the way um, is while well, you've got your beak in your beer you're a, a master Cicerone as well Cicerone, yeah. uh, Cicerone um, which means you're really good at um, tasting beers it means I'm really good at tasting beers but also good at passing exams which is important too for something like that because it's yeah. um, it's, it's tough and I um, but I'm always quick to point out that I I know many many people in beer who are way way more knowledgeable than me. They're you know better at tasting beer. They know more about beer, all that kind of stuff. Um, but officially, you're you're one of twenty two. One of twenty two plus any that that happen to be added. Me or me have not. But we'll stick on twenty two because yeah, it definitely sounds better. Sounds so. a lot better. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I was the um tenth person to pass it. Um. Ten, fuck off. Tenth. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got it in twenty fifteen, but um, yeah. At that point, there were like three levels. They've added a, a third one between. So there's um certified beer server, certified. Mm-hmm. Server, and there's now a kind of advanced level in between for master. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I attempted that when I was still at Brewdog. Um. Got uh, got to go out to Chicago um, and do a two day beer exam, basically tasting beer and picking it apart and trying to guess what style stuff was, uh, you know, like blind samples of, uh, of beers and try and identify what style they were or what was wrong with them and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I basically 
That sounds mm-hmm. so much fun. I'm saying Scott, oh, will be, Scott fun, will be gutted yeah. that he missed it. Scott will be gutted that he missed this week's podcast because he's. It was last week. He was he was talking about um, that's what he wants to do because um, you know we're trying to balance out the books on the point. Mark and I are are the brewers. We we you know dipping our toe into the home brew and stuff. Um, and Scott's not Scott's not got any interest in that, but he he's uh, he wants to try and. To, to get those qualifications so that he can he can have his own area of expertise on the pod. So he's a chief taster. <laughs> yeah, official taster. Yes, um, official yeah, taster. I I largely um, at the time I largely got into it because I'd been a I'd been a um, brewdog just like in fact I think the first the first level I think I sat that the week I joined basically I started as a marketing assistant and I hadn't really. I drank a lot of beer up until that point, but I didn't know too much. And I basically yeah. wanted to make make sure people would take me seriously as like, here's the marketing yeah. guy with his colouring in and his stupid picture <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of wanted to be able to say, you know, I I know what I'm talking about and um just kind of hit the books and, and try to get kind of caught up pretty quick and it worked out for me. So um yeah, it's it's a, I, I think it's an it's an interesting one because it's definitely more known as a qualification in the US craft beer industry because you know right. the offices are over there. Um, it's it's more established. People understand it better there, and it's more. It, it's maybe more useful as a as a qualification there in order to try and get jobs. Yeah, the way that that you know, um, beer distribution and sales and stuff works in the US is quite different from here. Um, so it's not as well known in the uh, outside North America. I think there's I think there's currently four of us outside North America. There's um two at Brewdog, one, uh, there's me, and then there's there's someone down in London. But that um, must be quite cool to be, like, one of 22 plus the other yeah, ones. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is, yeah. yeah. I, 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 use, I would say I've, I've used it less, since, um, less and less over the last few years, but the, the key thing that I always found I was quite good at was being able to try and translate what was in the glass into language that would help people to understand what they were going to buy. Because that's yeah. ultimately kind of the the point of the qualification was that it would allow people to describe beer and, and also know, you know, how to serve it and how to keep it in good condition and understand the process. There's, there is a lot to it, but the, the key thing for me was always, you know, how would it benefit me? Well, I'd go into a production meeting um, or, you know, a taste panel, try the beer, mm-hmm. look at the recipe, understand what it was going to taste like. And that would help me to, you know, make sure that the the packaging reflected that. And that when we spoke about the beer to, uh, drinkers in bars or folk on the website that they would you know they could read that and say okay that's a beer for me i'll, I'll have that and, and not be disappointed when when they got it um and that's i mean that's still invaluable that's still really useful that's that's what i like to do yeah i've not got the energy of the time to be that <laughs> that's that is literally more up scott street <laughs> i'm just happy doing photographs and editing podcasts <laughs> I'll stick to all that geeky shit on that side. So, right, give us your your masterclass in the beer then that you're drinking now from Siren. This one's dark and it tastes like chocolate. Bingo, right? Past. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's, that's a it's a style Siren are are really good at. Um, yeah. Um, I'm searching furiously. I had one. Um, it's a long, quite a while ago now. Um, I had one in. Uh, down in London in Brixton, mm-hmm. and it was that it was the it must have been a similar series, but it was like a Jamaican, Jamaican, um, ginger cake, yeah, or something like that that I had, um, which was tremendous. Um, I'm trying furiously to find the picture and feeling miserable. The last, um, no, it's not in the last. 
the last series of beers out with that that I was really well. In fact, even Mark and all of us to some extent were really excited about it was, was the single hop series they did, where they did all them. Um, uh-huh. They took things back to to the roots. Yes, that yeah, yeah, that's the one. That was ridiculous. Was that that was the one there? Caribbean Caribbean chocolate cake, tropical stout, seven four. Um, and it was it was amazing, and that was I was in that it was a craft a craft beer place in Brixton, and um, I went up and asked for two thirds, and the guy was like, ah, "This is going to cost you like twelve quid." And I was like, "Ah, it's fine." <laughs> <laughs> I want it. Yeah, thirds not enough. So <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever asked for two thirds of this. But what did we do? Shit. Um, getting things back on track and talking about fears. Um. Tours are back at the brewery, um, which brewery is good. Back, yeah. um, good um, to see that getting yeah. back up. It's a bit of a, a strange time at the moment. I think we've had to kind of um, we've kind of halted them for a little bit just over the next few weeks. While it's while it's really not likely that we're going to pick anyone up, we've yeah. uh, we've kind of semi converted the tap room into a, a fierce grotto, so we've got oh. all our beers um, available in slab format. Um, all the merch, basically everything that we've released in the last couple of years is in there, um, all lined up beautifully with all the new merch. Tote oh. bags, socks. Is um, that that's so good? I was going to mention new merch. Clothes. The new merch looks wicked. Yeah. The the hoodies and stuff. God, I'm pretty sure not in the video today. The red hoodie. Yeah, the kind of maroony dark red. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Happy with that one. It's looking good. So let me let that that leads to my next question is is as the head of creative, are you in charge of designs of them? I sure sure am, yeah. Excellent work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like designing I, I like designing merch. Um you never know if people are gonna like it or not. It's a tough one because like you think beer is divisive, like clothes is way worse. <laughs> um but um yeah, it's it's one of those things where you kind of design stuff that you would want to wear or you put it this way. I design stuff I would want to wear. And then some of it gets shit can because not everyone would want to wear it, yeah. but you know, it's, it's trying to, again, it's, it's kind of like with the beers. You, you try and strike that balance between stuff that, you know, you know, will sell because it, it has to sell because yeah, you know, businesses, it's important, but also that has enough, enough kind of personality and style to it that it's definitely obviously fierce without it just, you know, just being, an entire <laughs> just says I'm, I'm wearing fierce t-shirts now actually. I'm literally describing the t-shirt that I'm wearing that you're wearing right now yeah. it's, it's, um, it's funny I, I did our stuff and it's some of our stuff and it's probably the reason why it hasn't sold because it's just what I want to wear and I just keep buying it myself <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I've got like I must have like five or six podcast t-shirts I've got a hat coming next week yeah I'm just buying it off myself like fuck it. <laughs> and so we, we we touched on next year being sort of the year of the collaboration. Um that's going to be a, a focus is what what else can we um expect from Fierce in the coming months? Is there anything exciting that we should be looking forward to? And that you can tell us. Uh, I can tell you, yeah. Um if if I tell you something, um it's if I don't tell you something, it's not because it's a secret, it's because it might change in the next three weeks. Um, everything changes all the time. That's yep. Yeah, that's it. But um, no, I think the what what we're trying to do next year, I would say, is we we want to build on what we've done over the last few months. So that kind of 
that standard that's what we want to hit through 2024 we we want more people to try our beer we want people to realize that we're that we're making great beer across a range of styles um with the with the collabs what we'll probably do is look to um try out kind of new techniques new hops um new uh, uh, sorry with the collabs, we're going to focus on IPAs and look at um, new techniques, new hops, that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah. they will, all, not all of the collabs will be IPAs, but um, because that's an area, you know, as I said earlier, we we kind of started in stouts and porters and that kind of stuff, and that's still where probably our, our greatest strengths lie. So yeah. we want to do more IPAs as collaborations with breweries that, you know, are great IPAs. Why wouldn't we want to do that? Makes sense. Uh, exactly. Then for the, for the other releases, we're looking to build on what we've done over the last few months. So... It's um it's our birthday in uh April, so we'll have a couple of birthday beers out, TBC yeah. on those. Um definitely amping up the stouts again kind of second half of the year, though I'm sure we won't go without for the rest of the year. There'll be some sours, some barrel age stuff again, no doubt. Um hopefully get something out before VBM uh, day again. We do have yeah. some beer mm-hmm. in barrel for VBM day next year. Um, yeah. but we'd maybe like to get something out before that because we, we love barrel aging as well um, and it seems to go pretty well for us um, love that do you find so th- just to touch on the, the vbm day um i could be wrong here mm-hmm. but from i noticed a, dif- a, a different kind of um wording for everything because it used to be oh there's very, very big misses coming out, very big misses coming out it's now changed and the dialogue has changed to now it now being vbm day which i like because everyone seems to have nowadays a day in the year where you bring out your best fucking thing or you the you all the glitter and everything comes out for if it's putty or fucking alligator tugboat or anything like that and it's just this one day and everyone gets hyped about it it gets massive it gets exposure on social media and stuff it's like oh and i feel like i could be wrong you could have vbm day last year and i just didn't pay attention because i was like fuck fierce for a wee bit because my tits in but i feel like there was a it, it switched and i like it that you've turned it into a vbm day it's cool i like it yes yeah, it's, it's definitely it was it was the the focus that we gave it this year was the first time we've ever done that we with with vbm we have you know we'll, we'll release them or certainly in the past we've released them as and when um something's been ready um yeah. And you know, there's been some other kind of variations on it. So we did, you know, very big moose with Amundsen, which yep. had green coconut. We've done very big chomp with uh, caramel flavors, and um, yeah, we've essentially we've just tried to kind of rein it in a little bit and make it nice and clear and obvious what it is, so that we can release the the various versions of VBM, or certainly the barrel aged versions on that one day. Yep. And then our kind of regular V, you know, it's a twelve percent imperial. Oh, yeah, twelve percent imperial stuff. It's not that regular, but exactly like the main the core VBM uh, should be available pretty much consistently throughout the year, so that anyone that goes into our bars can try everything yeah. from the you know the most accessible cerveza all the way up to the kind of flagship like signature. Because uh, it's literally as soon as it came up, like I know you teased it, and then you said VBM day is coming on social media. It was right on our our group chat straight away. Oh, and then we're all right. Okay, we're ready. And I'm pretty sure it was because it's about two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Roughly. Two weeks and Thursday. Um, and I know Callum, you were right on it. Callum and Scott, they were right on it as soon as it, VBMD opened up and grabbed themselves some things. So it, I, it's, I like when breweries do it because it works, but 
like I said, you need to have the, the actual liquid to back up and it appears so far from the reviews that I've read that, yeah, the liquid inside fucking rocks. And yeah, very good. <laughs> being, being a 330ml can, as Cal will, will say, um, it's probably an easier easier drink than a 440 because... Yeah. Imperial Stouts and 440ml cans are a challenge at the best of times. A tough um, gig. Yeah, so it was a funny then, one because everyone shifted to four forties. I, I think I don't think it's, I think it's kind of broadly accepted that Cloudwater pretty much kind of led that charge, you know, with yeah. the, mm. the the Depot series, and everything kind of went to four forties, which was an interesting one because when Craft first went into Can, it was all three thirties across the board because it was mm-hmm. stronger, it was um, more expensive to make, so you know those three thirties made sense at the time. And then yeah. we all just sort of collectively sort of lost our minds overnight and, and kept putting big beers in, in 440 mils for for years. Um, our, our kind of rule of thumb now basically is that anything, uh, I don't think we've set a hard and fast kind of cutoff point, but essentially that kind of 8% feels like the kind of rough level where anything above 8% will likely now just go for a 330 excuse me, a 330 yeah. mil. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think a, a triple IPA, a sort of ten percent big hazy juice bomb. I think I could probably cope with that in a in a four forty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Like and and even those even those um VBMs that I got, the, I've got the three of them there. Um, I'm going to be each of those cans are going to be getting split between three people because it's 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 something to be enjoyed, tasted, and savoured. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not just going to spank the, the whole can to myself. The amount of um, effort that's went into making it, like aye, absolutely. It's yeah, not it's a big just whack in your, in your glass and go, aye, that was, that was all right. Right, next. Yeah. <laughs> this seems daft. Waste of time, waste of money, like fucking... It's some, in fact, it's a daft thing sometimes, like, just enjoy your beer. Enjoy but, it. Savor it. Take your time over it. I know you, didn't, you don't always have to be a craft beer wank about it, but just enjoy your beer. There you go. That's the slogan. Enjoy your beer. That's the secret. That's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, other things you've got going on uh on is the 12 beers of Christmas. Um a, yes. a lovely little uh, advent calendar. Full of, of fierce goodies, I assume, obviously. That's it, yeah. It's um it's our first wait, we're sort of internally referring to it as an advent calendar. It's not an advent calendar because it's it's 12 cans. Yeah. Um there's lots of advent calendars out in the market. <clears throat> excuse me so we wanted to try and do something a little bit different this year also we worked i think the point at which we realized that we needed to do we didn't need to but we wanted to do something like that we looked ahead at what beers there were for the rest of the year and realized we had about 12 releases still to go so it made sense to do that kind of 12 beers of christmas box um we might i think that certainly we'll we'll do this again next year whether we shift up to an advent calendar you know a full 24 case at some point it's a possibility mm-hmm. but the the reception to the, the 12 beers of christmas has been pretty good so we feel like that's probably a good I place 12 is a good level yeah it keeps it uh, i'm not being funny but it keeps it affordable um yeah. some of the some of the advent calendars i i haven't got one myself um i drink enough beer without adding one a day <laughs> um some of them are it's not crazy money for what you're getting. Obviously, it's good value, but it, it you know it's it's a fair, a fair whack of cash in the run up to Christmas. So twelve. I mean, we spoke about a lot either last week or before. You t- with some of them that are twenty four, you're talking like a hundred quid easy. 
eight between eight and hundred quid. It's like fuck. And when you think about when you when you break that down and you say, oh well, it's twenty four beers, you know, and if you know if it's twenty four decent craft beers, then you'd be expecting to pay three quid at least three four quid yeah, per yeah. beer. So so the, the you know the, the the overall cost is justified by the quality of the produce that you're getting. But as that is a is quite a, a an investment. So I think we're going to over the course of the next year. I think we're going to put some money away every month and uh, divide it by four, and we'll, we'll draw names out of hat and buy, but you know, and create our own advent calendars um, for each other for <laughs> for next year. That's a good yeah. idea. Um, yeah. So the 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 one that we've got out is essentially if if you've um, if you've bought all of the recent releases. You're probably not going to be too surprised to see some of the beers that are in there. Um, yeah. This year, we have not put any sneaky kind of secret exclusives in there. Um, we're not in a position to do that. That doesn't mean we might not be able to do that in future. Yeah. Uh, you know, yet to be seen. Because, um, you know, when, when you bring out a beer, you put all the effort into everything that goes into it. And it doesn't matter if you bring out five cans or, you know, 5,000 cans. The amount of work that goes in behind the scenes is the same. It's the same. Exactly. Go through. So, you know, to... to Put out a, an exclusive in an advent calendar could be tricky. Doesn't mean we can't, but you know, maybe maybe a bit further down the line. Definitely, um, Rob. Where? Well, for me, it seems a silly question. Um, where is the best place for people to grab hold of fierce beer? Oh, good question. Well, obviously, um, I'm duty bound to say uh, fiercebeer.com is the best place to get all your fierce beer needs. Um, it's um, that's where we put everything essentially. Um, there will be the occasional exclusive that will go into uh, a retailer where you know maybe they'll potentially take the full amount of stock. So if if that does happen, we're generally pretty open about that on social media. So if there's something that you see on there that um, you can't get on on our website, we'll usually be telling you where you can get it. Um, our our bars are great places to enjoy our beers. Mm-hmm. We've got one in Aberdeen, one in Edinburgh, one in Manchester, Northern Quarter. Um, We've got more and more, um, more and more other venues taking our beer every day. It's going well. People are taking more interest in us again, which is nice. Um, and then supermarkets across Scotland, we've got a good range of kind of core range stuff. So you know, our fierce IPA, hazy. Fucking your system, you enter though, Rob, in it. I know. I yeah. So fiercebeer.com is <laughs> me. Um, Brighton through you say. I think definitely. Um, we'll be we'll be having. I think we're looking to try and um, get get our beer much further south um next year so keep an eye out but um if you are in scotland then sainsbury's and asda have surveys of four packs um they're in a four by three thirty mil so it's a good you know a quick wee three thirty mil can just to yep enjoy a wee great fridge filler yeah as a fridge filler it's perfect um that's pretty much um whenever we ask anyone internally what you know what's your favorite fierce beer surveys are probably two-thirds to three-quarters of, of the team, that's what they want to drink. Nice. Uh, perfect, perfect stuff. Um, like Rob said, head to the website. We've done it many a times. Um, Fearspear.com. Um, if you're looking for any of the core stuff, head to a local supermarket. I'm sure you'll find something fierce in there. Um, I'm a late shift person myself. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm a sucker for the, fuck it, the, the thing, to be fair. It's, aye. Going to have to get Get some scent down, I think, to be fair. 
Um, fearspear.com or head um, head over as well while you're at it to all the social media pages check out all the videos and stuff it's they're funny as um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter it's not even Twitter now it's X nonsense no, it's, terrible. it's still fucking Twitter I'm not changing the little bird on the cans I cannot be hooped it's staying as weird it be fair um, like yeah, I don't think many people have actually changed to the the, the, the X logo. I've not actually seen anybody go to the X. What do you call it now? Like it's you, X. you know, X. on Twitter now. On Twitter, you used to do a tweet. What it's do you call it now? A post. Oh <laughs> fuck off! <laughs> it's really original. <laughs> Just post. It's fucking, it's a nonsense, tell man. How how um, how Elon Musk got to be as rich? I, I've got no idea. If, if he if he was at the front of the line when luck was handed out, then you know I'm fucking just going to go and <laughs> die right now. Head over to the social media pages, search Fierce Beer, and um, you can also check out all the the bars as well. As Rob mentioned, you can follow the bars, get updates on what um they're pouring. Also, um they do it on Untapped as well. You can check Untapped on the bars, and they'll tell you what's pouring. Also, it's a good wee check in. Um, especially if you're kicking about Edinburgh and Manchester and you're going to go to the fierce bar, you can see what they're pouring or what's about to pour. It's a good little update. While you're at it as well, search for the Beer Fridge Podcast, like, follow and share all the content. Um, as you'll know, if you're following us on Instagram, um, Fridge's Brewery of the Year Award is underway. Voting kicks off tomorrow, as in the 22nd, if you're listening to this of November for the Elite Eight. So keep your eyes peeled um, for the Brewery of the Year People's Choice Award for the Fridges 2023. It's a lot of fun and you can show your support by heading to our official support, excuse me, by heading to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast. Get access to exclusive content and some homebrew from the guys as well. Patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast. Rob, it's been awesome having the podcast. It's been good talking fierce again with fierce and getting and not only us just saying uh, it's been shit and then going, oh, it's actually been really good again. It's been good hearing it from actual, from Fierce themselves. Um, I, I say that and we've spoken to Dave. I think we spoke to Dave at the last couple of festivals we've, we've been at and mm-hmm. we've said it to his face, like, look, like, it looks, things are looking like better from what our side of things are. Anyway, so it's good to have a catch up, mate, because. Definitely, yeah. Thanks for having me. Five years is yeah. too long. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Five years is way too long. So you get another five years? Yep, probably. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> might, might just fucking give up this shit. Nobody listens anyway. <laughs> they do, but <laughs> they us, they don't. <laughs> um, until next time in the podcast, we will be a real breweries, real opinions. My name's Gavin, that's Cal. Thank you, Rob. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>